everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your feel good podcast, where this week we talk about the finale of The Legends of Akamakana. I revisit the longest running American animated TV show of all time, and we talk about a few other things that I can't remember. That's right, it's been a little bit. It's been a little while since we had a, a, a friendly chat, um, and we talk about Legend of Vox Machina's uh, episodes 10, 11, and 12, and I talk about my feelings overall. We also talk about the latest part of Disenchantment, now on Netflix. I review seasons of The Simpsons, seasons 3, 4, 5, and 6, essentially. Um, basically turns down to a little bit of a diatribe. I participated in a charity event that involved me getting really, really cold and a bunch of water. Um, and then there is something else that I can't quite remember. But real quick, uh, right here at the top of the podcast, I want to talk about a couple things. Number one, we had a new audiobook drop last week. Uh, and that audiobook is Animorphs, Book 2, The Visitor. Which is, I'm not entirely sure how many audiobooks I've done at this point, but... I believe I am almost to 50 if I if I really wanted to check. Let's count them. Let's count them together. Three. Six, I'm not going to do that. It's a lot. There's a lot of audiobooks. Uh, and you can check it out now at goingcast.com forward slash audiobook. Um, I'm also working on a brand new uh, video series. Um, might traditionally be called a Let's Play. Um, and the first episode of that is going to go up. Uh, well, I can't have it. I can't put it up today because of reasons uh but it'll go up probably next sunday yeah let's do that let's say next sunday um i want to get a couple more episodes under my belt before i start uploading that so i can get a bit of a consistent schedule going on and yeah outside of that i've got one two three four five six seven audiobooks being recorded right now simultaneously um so i'm working on quite a few projects right now and I apologize for the radio silence. If you're not aware, I, I transitioned away from doing daily chapters of audiobooks to basically uploading the entire audiobook when it's done. Um, I am still working on them, but it's just, you know, it's not as... The, the, the progress is not as visible as it once was. So I want to rest assured that the audiobooks are not going anywhere. Um, this just essentially takes a little bit of the, the pressure off in order for me to crank out audiobooks. And I feel like the quality is going up a little bit because I record them when I'm like really in that mindset if that makes sense um oh also uh real quick because i didn't talk about it at all in this podcast i'll mention it right now uh the guild wars 2 expansions and the dragons is really fun and i'm loving it so far i've been playing pretty much nothing else since that came out no i haven't played elden ring or arceus or any of those new games um i will i just haven't gotten to it yet because i bought this game like months ago and so i wanted to give it its due so i'm playing that right now Speaking of playing, let's play the rest of this episode. Ah, it's a transition. Two pieces of movie news. Um, because why not? Uh, first, of all, first of all, I am eternally surprised at this piece of news because the second movie hasn't even come out yet. But apparently Sony is so confident. Is it Sony? No, Sega. My apologies. Sega is so confident that the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie is going to be good, that they've already agreed to making a third Sonic the Hedgehog movie, as well as a Knuckles spin-off series. Is that, is that a TV series or a movie series? We don't... I don't think we know, mostly because I haven't clicked on the article and I refuse to read further. Um, but they are expanding their Sonic stuff, which I am super on board with. I loved the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It is my favorite video game adapted movie that has ever been made 
and against all odds, it was actually pretty good. Um, and I, I liked it a lot because things like the, the, the product placement and the general kind of shittiness of the film feeds into that Sonic mythos. So it kind of makes it perfect. And that Jim Carrey 90s nostalgia just hit me in all the right places. So yeah, that first Sonic the Hedgehog movie was awesome. And I cannot wait to see the sequel. Um, and I think Knuckles looks right as hell. And I'm excited that Tails is in the fold. And I can't wait for them to bring in. Most likely the villain for the third game has to be Shadow, right? It's gotta be Shadow. God, I can't wait for that. That's gonna be great. Um, second thing is that they have released the trailer... For Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the movie coming out later this year, which will be the first piece of Chippendale's media since I want to say like 1991 when the Rescue Rangers TV show went off, was was completed way back in the day. And this, I've seen the trailer now three times because I can't quite wrap my head around it. I was expecting it to be just like your, your bog standard, you know animated movie fair. Disney does that all the time. Most of them are pretty bad. That's what I was expecting. What I was not expecting was a spiritual successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because that really does seem like what we're getting. Not since Roger Rabbit has there been a movie with animation and live action from that included animated characters from multiple different studios outside of Disney. Now, as of right now, we only really know of one, and that's Hasbro, because the My Little Pony characters are in the trailer. Disney does not own Hasbro. One of the few things that Disney doesn't own. And so that one immediately made me go, all right. Also, Roger Rabbit's in it, which is also interesting for Disney to remind the world of Roger Rabbit. Like, it's one thing to have your movie exist in, the, like, the pantheon of movies of the past, but to bring Roger Rabbit back to this in a new movie and have him be there forces people to remember that movie and do not misunderstand me. I adore Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's such a unique film. And that's also why I'm like, okay, the cats from the fucking shitty remake of Cats are in this movie as like cats, but they look like people. They were there. And so fucking Disney didn't own cats. I forget who made that horrible movie, but it wasn't fucking Disney. So yeah, it's, and you know, in style and quite possibly substance, it's going to be very Who Framed Roger Rabbit-esque. And that's ambitious to put it lightly because that was such a fucking lightning in a bottle style movie. It was so different and there hasn't ever really been anything quite like it since. And now this is stepping up to that plate. Like of all of the directions to take this movie, that was the one I would have never, never in a million fucking years. Where did I look at Chip and Dale and I went, Roger Rabbit. They're going to Roger Rabbit that movie. But they fucking did it. And if I wasn't for that approach, I probably would never see this movie. Ever. Because I didn't watch Chip and Dale, like, as a kid, really. I'm sure I saw, like, an episode or two. I know who they are as characters, but mostly through osmosis, rather than through anything I've personally witnessed. So this Roger Rabbit movie is just interesting and different enough 
for me to sit up and go, all right, I guess we'll see. And I appreciate the joke of like Seth Rogen dwarf and the forced perspective, like poking fun at probably just Peter Jackson. Um, so that was, that was interesting. What's interesting about that is that the internet was calling him Beowulf, but the closed captions for the trailer call him Dane, like King under the, under the mountain from the Hobbit, Dane. So I'm not, I'm not sure. He doesn't look like Dane, but that's what they've called him. So it'll be, it'll be interesting, um, to see how that fucking boils out. It'll be really interesting to see who let Disney buy their stuff. I went through this trailer like frame by frame just to see like, cause there's a lot of quick shots of like a lot of characters to see if I recognize anybody. There's a lot of animated characters. I don't know what they're from, if they're from anything. Like in the Comic-Con uh, scene, there is like a fairly anime style uh, woman standing there. Like she's got like the, like the big like happy eyes, you know. Um, but I don't know what they're from. And there's quite a few animated characters that are, they are animated, but I don't know who they are. And I think that leans more into that Roger Rabbit style mentality. Indeed, with Roger Rabbit being there, this is in that same shared universe of Roger Rabbit. He wouldn't be there otherwise. So it is a spiritual successor to to that, you know? Roger Rabbit doesn't show up in like every fucking live action anime. It's like, it's this weird blend of actual people and cartoons and that's just that world that exists. So yeah, it's, it's a spiritual successor to Roger Rabbit. Did not see that coming. I doubt fucking anybody saw that coming. Holy crap. Also, Doctor Strange 2 looks really good. And we keep hearing things and seeing things and everybody's pretty fucking convinced, as I am too, that Patrick Stewart's in this movie because you can hear him in a trailer, but it would not be the first time that Marvel has tricked us in a trailer. So I won't believe it until I see it. Um, and whether or not he's playing Professor X or if he's playing a new character, because multiverse, fucking all bets are off. He could be anybody, and it could just be him. Like, nothing, nothing is what we think it'll be. That's the problem with the multiverse, is that we can't predict anything anymore. Because they can literally go in any direction. That's the multiverse. It's an infinite number of parallel universes. So they can do literally anything. And it will probably be not what we expect. So, anyway. Let's move on to the next thing in podcast. Just like that, episodes 10, 11, and 12 of Vox Machina, the legend, the, the, the mythos of this glorious fucking show have been released, and here I am a little late to the party, but I just watched the final three episodes. In, in actuality, I watched the entire first season back-to-back uh, -back before I saw the last three episodes, so I saw the whole thing within the last six hours and I very much enjoyed the ride um I think it paints a an excellent narrative I think the characters are really strong I like that story threads are not completely tied off and done primarily looking at the relationship between Keyleth and Vax um where Keyleth is like we got responsibilities man we we don't got time for this shit Put your dick back in your pants. I ain't interested. Um, even though 
that's, you know, don't worry, they, they get together eventually. Anyway, I thought the finale of the season was quite good. Um, they do a wonderful job with the fight scenes, kind of representing that, that D&D combat air, whilst also having it be interesting to watch. Um, and the fact that the final confrontation wasn't necessarily between Vox Mach and the Briarwoods, but it was between Vox Machina and Percy, and Percy against Orthax, I thought was really cool. And I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, and then, of course, ending the season with the Chroma Conclave invasion of Amon, just like I and probably thousands of others predicted, uh, is a wonderful way to end the season. Uh, it's such a great cliffhanger. Um, and I'm mildly irritated that there were a lot of, like, articles from non-reputable sources that were basically being like, Will Vox Machina have a season two? Yes, motherfuckers. When it was announced that Vox Machina was going to air on Amazon Prime over two years ago, it was confirmed that Amazon also financed an additional 14 episodes of the show. So yeah, there was always going to be a season two. So fucking st stuff your lack of research up your fucking asses, you incompetent schmucks. No, I thought The Legend of Vox Machina was wonderful. It's interesting, because I've been thinking about it, like, if I gave this a rating, I mean, it would probably be, like, a 9 out of 10. The show isn't perfect. I personally do not enjoy Vexalia's character arc in this season. Um, I thought she was a little, uh, a little, like, snotty for almost no reason. Um, which it, it feels like they Vox Machina hasn't been together all that long, which is kind of weird because at this point, when the when the Briarwoods happen for the characters of Vox Machina in the original stream, they'd been playing for years. So I would have thought she would have gotten over Keyleth's like lack of self confidence by now, but apparently not. So Vexalia was probably my least favorite character. Thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Yes, not probably. Yeah. Vexalia was my least favorite character in The Legend of Vox Machina. I did not mind Vexalia in the original show. Indeed, um, I would have said, like, Percy and Keyleth would have been, like, amongst my, my bottoms. Um, but it flipped completely. Like, because of the show and because of, like, what I look for in media nowadays, Keyleth and Percy much more represent what I'm interested in when it comes to, like, a good fucking character. Like, Vax doesn't really have a character arc in this show, and that's fine. They don't all need to, like, grow as individuals throughout the length of a show. Vax is more or less the same at the beginning of the show than he is at the end of the show, you know? He's he's a very simple, straightforward character. Just like Grog, just like Scanlan, they're all basically the same from the beginning of this season to the end of the season. Keyleth definitely grows into her own, which is super important because Keyleth is all about becoming like a stronger individual as she's destined to be the leader of her people. Um, and that's what she's, she has to. You know, Vexalia's character arc, um, Vexalia actually gets a character arc. So that is something to be said for it. She's distrusting of others. It's just been her and her brother against the world for so long that when all these other people came along, she's like, I'm not so sure about these fucks. And especially Keyleth, because Va Vax is, like, distracted and is falling in love. And Vexalia is like, don't forget about me, brother. But not in, like, a weird Game of Thrones sort of way. Just, like, in a sort of, like, family comes first dipshit sort of way. 
Um, and yeah, no, I thought, I think the show is, is phenomenal. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of like, is this show going to be like one of my favorites? Will, will this show like climb the ladder of my all time favorite animated shows? Where does this rank? Like, where does it sit? Can I objectively review this show and ignore my love of Critical Role to see this show on its own? And when I see this show on its own, I do legitimately believe it is a well put together show. It does a very good job with a fairly ensemble cast to try and give everybody like a moment in the spotlight. And they do. Pretty much everybody gets like some pretty good character development in this show. Even Grog um, gets a lot of great character development in the show. His relationship with Pike, how like they're best friends and have been together forever. And like for the first time she, she's gone and he has to deal with that. I loved that. I thought that was great. Um, I think Grog is gonna be a lot of people's favorite characters. He is just so, he endears himself so easily to the masses. It's astounding how good of a job Travis Willingham did with Grog and making him a lovable, cuddly, killing machine. Like, it takes an incredible intelligence to play a dumb person. It truly does. And it, Grog is such a wonderful example of the big dumb brute done right. And I absolutely adore it. Um, I think the show is going to be very accessible because a lot of these characters represent traditional classic archetypes that folks traditionally associate with high, like high fantasy sword and shield dragons and magic and all that stuff. You know, you've got the sneaky rogue, you've got the sassy ranger with the pet, you've got the holy person, you got, you know, pretty much everybody is, is represented. You got the guy that'll fuck anything that moves. Um, and I'm not, I'm not kink shaming more power to you, Scanlon. Cheers. Um, so I think this show is, is wonderful and you gotta love the representation. Not only in terms of like um, different uh, actors of different uh, ethnic backgrounds um, are all over this fucking show, which is a glorious thing to see. But then, of course, sexuality and the multitudes therein are found all over the place. You've got straight relationships. You've got uh, homosexual relationships. You've got Scanlan, who, you know, no matter what you, what you say about them, they are essentially, if it has a pulse... It's fair game! And there's something so fantastic about the freedom of that. So I absolutely adore Scanlan's uh, mentality when it comes to sex. It is it is truly uh, unique in terms of the shows I've seen. You're not going to see fucking Disney having a character like that that's just like, fucking everybody's fair game. Whatever, let's just go for it. And I've said it many times, not only when I've been talking about this show, but when I've been talking about things like the Adventure Zone graphic novels, um that this story has the benefit of knowing where the end of the story is going before this piece of media was created, which means we have a lot of wonderful Easter eggs that lead us to the next stage in the story, or in this case, um, the, the finale of the story. I mean, Vecna, the whispered one was set up like fucking episode fucking four right like right away in the early season the final boss of the entire like campaign one is introed very early on as he was in the original show 
But even like Chroma Conclave was hinted at in the first in the second episode when they get into Krieg's like little secret room to find the portal. There's a carpet on the ground that shows you the Chroma Conclave. So that shit, the groundwork was laid out for the next round of villains very early on, and it just shows that they understand the whole scope of the story and know how to piecemeal it out so the entire thing is told in a logical and straightforward fashion. And they do not skimp on the animation is superb. The the score in particular is quite fantastic. Scanlon songs are are good. I enjoy Scanlon songs. I won't listen to them and by and large on their own. Like I think they fit the story very well. But they are not like bangers I would want to listen to on my own. Which does, which is consistent with the original songs that Sam Regal sang in season one of Critical Role. They were hilarious and they were wonderful. But I don't think I need them like on my fucking Spotify. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're so designed for the moment. And they're great in that moment. But you don't need to like revisit it and, and listen to it again. Truly, I think this show is going to be one of those shows where it's like... I have nothing to watch. I'm going to watch The Legend of Vox Machina again. I'm sick. I have a head cold. I need some fucking... I need the comforting, like, presence of actors and characters that have been a part of my life and thousands of other people's lives for the better part of a decade. I'm going to turn on The Legend of Vox Machina. That's where this show resides in, in my heart now. It, it, it's the show that I will forever fall back on. I think I could watch the show in perpetuity until the end of time and never get bored of it. That's the best review I can give it. Is it perfect? No. Is it entertaining? Absolutely. It is, it's so fucking consumable and rewatchable. And there are so many shows. I never need to see Centaur World again. When I'm done with Disenchantment Season Part 4, never need to watch that again. Legend of Vox Machina, I could watch that until I die. Until the world explodes. And I, among thousands of others, cannot wait for Season 2. It's going to be longer. It's going to be dragon fights. What I'm particularly interested in, and they did a pretty good job of this in the season actually, is what are they going to do to make each dragon fight unique? And I know what makes the dragons unique, but in, in, in terms of like the strategy therein, like there's a lot to set up in order for those dragon fights to come together in a logical fashion. And they only have 14 episodes to do it. The Briarwoods was ambitious, but telling the entire story of the Chroma Conclave in one season is, that'd be a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they told the first half of that arc in a season and then told the second half of the arc in season three, I would not be surprised that they pulled that. It'd be a dangerous move. But, I mean, this is the number one show on Amazon Prime right now. It got 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Like 9.4 on IMDb. Critically, this show is ridiculously well-reviewed. And it is being seen by millions I am, I am like, as certain as I can be that there is going to be more than two seasons of this show, that's where I'm at. I think, I think they're going to tell the entire campaign one arc with the Legend of Vox Machina, and I am fucking here for it. 
And as soon as they announce that they're releasing this shit on like a DVD box set, I'm buying that motherfucking shit. And I want that forever in my in my possession. Whether I cancel Amazon Prime, I never want to run the risk that I cannot watch this show when I want to. That's that's where my headspace is at. Also, in case you do not know, there is a Legend of Vox Machina Amazon store where you can buy different t-shirt designs or tote bags or uh, pop pop thing. What are these called? The, the things that live on the back of your phone, like the little pop socket. Pop sockets, that's what they're called. You can buy those. Um, so go check that out. Um, God damn. Yeah, it's, it was very good. It was very good. It was worth the investment. Let me tell you, I feel like I got my money back when the physical goods came from the Kickstarter. But now that I've seen the final product, I'm just, I'm happy as a clam. Um, I had no doubt they were going to deliver on their final product. But now that I've seen like the fruits of this labor, um, and I know that, uh, I was, I played a, a part in making it happen was, was satisfying. I wish other investments in my life paid off in such dividends. But sadly, that's not the world we live in. The world we live in, though, does include an animated Legend of Vox Machina show and all other fantasy shows that originate in such a manner will be held to this standard. I'm looking at you, Adventure Zone. I know you guys were talking about having an animated show on Peacock of all platforms. And I think there is no better chance for making that show a reality than having The Legend of Vox Machina be a rousing success. Because now everybody's going to be like, well, we want our own Legend of Vox Machina. And the Adventure Zone is where I would go for that next story. Or maybe Dungeons and Daddies. Or not another D&D podcast. All of these wonderful creators that have existed for, like, years deserve their chance to tell their stories and I, I hope that we live in a world in which that opportunity is allowed to them. As much as I adore Legend of Vox Machina and Critical Role as a whole, do not get me wrong, I'm the biggest Critical Role shill you are likely to find in this world. I also understand that there are others with their own stories to tell that are, are just as passionate, just as creative, just as successful as Critical Role. While Critical Role may be one of the more popular ones, they are not the only ones. And I'm sure the cast would agree that they are not the only players in this game and that we as consumers would all benefit from seeing additional stories told in this format um, just all over the place. It would be it would be truly fantastic. So that is my that is those are my thoughts on the Legend of Vox Machina. If you have not seen it yet, the entire first season is out and I would recommend it. I think I think you will have a good time watching it. God knows I have. Um and I'm excited to ride that ride all over again pretty much uh, tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, like, I, I, could st I could start it right the fuck now if I really wanted to. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. It's always nice to have something to balance out the scales. And while Legend of Vox Machina is a tremendously excellent show, I can't say the same for Disenchantment. And I just finished watching part two of season two of that show. And it is so all over the place. It's incredibly hard to follow. I mean, I was sober watching it and I'm still like, I can't follow along with what's happening because the show just jumps around 
pretty willy-nilly and invents things and removes things all the fucking time to the point where it's it really feels like it's being written like as you're watching it to the point it, it just doesn't make sense. It's like playing D&D with a bad DM who keeps like inventing shit and deleting shit pell-mell. Like you're just along for this ride and you don't know where you're going and you just get to the end and you're just like, was there any sort of resolution on anything? And the answer is no. There's no resolution. Story threads are brought in and are left dangling in like every fucking episode. And when they do resolve something, it never mattered in the first place. And there's no sense of rhyme or reason to it. It's such a weird show. Like Futurama had episodes and like big story arcs and reoccurring villains and all that stuff. But it structurally made sense. You knew what characters were, you knew the setting, you knew what was happening. In this show, character motivations change pretty radically, pretty constantly. Um, character arcs are abandoned and picked up again and then abandoned again. Um, characters are brought in and removed from the show for virtually no reason. And it's just it just doesn't stay on a path. And some people might like that. You know, if you want a show that is, like, hitting the randomized button every time an episode starts, where you have, you cannot predict what's going to happen. Like, you can start an episode and you can be like, oh, it's this kind of story. Fuck you. You can't. Because none none of it follows, like, a standard story structure. It's, it's all just complete, random, gibbering nonsense. Um, and it's, you're, you're shit out of luck. You're left on your own. Like, there's, there's a, a whole big thing in this part about like the castle belonging to the elves and then the elves are like we're gonna take back our castle i'm like okay this makes sense and then they find out that the elves and the trogs are like the same being and so they they work together for like a, a minute and then they just stop and they they just give up and they, it just nothing happens and that's it and then you got fucking like there's a bear right and there's a bear boy and their mom is dead, but then it turns out the mom's alive in in the in the freak show. And do they resolve that? Fuck you. No, they don't. It's just <laughs> nothing matters. And yet it's I don't even want to say it's like entertaining. I did watch the whole thing, so I guess on some level, but I was mostly watching it out of desperation for things to like be brought back. You know, like there's all these loose threads in front of me from the four parts, the two seasons of the show that I wanted resolution to. And what's really irritating is that there are gems. There was one scene where Zog is talking to Bean about love that I honestly thought was phenomenal. There are these little moments of like perfection in, in this show. And it's those little things that make you go, oh, wow, that's... That's really cool. Or it's really well done. So the show can do that. It just doesn't like 90% of the time. And even Bean's love interest of the, the mermaid and her being in a lesbian relationship is phenomenal. But they don't... As of right now, it's it's like so underdeveloped. It basically happened in one episode in season three. 
And then really briefly in se- in part four, I keep saying part four, it's like season four, it might as well be. So, but it hasn't like really gotten more than that. It's, it's just, I don't know who the show is for. Like, I'm going to watch part five. I'm too invested in this to not continue watching it. But I really need this show to fucking get its shit together. Because it just doesn't make sense. I I mean, I don't know. I really, I really just don't know. And, like, the villain... Dagmar, right? Bean's mom is, like, the primary antagonist of the whole show. And in part four, she shows up in the beginning. And then right at the very end. And we don't see her for, like, pretty much the most of that that part of that season. And her her plans constantly have this air of, like, no matter what Bean or anybody else does to, quote-unquote, mess up her plans, it doesn't matter. She She still gets what she wants. And I hate that shit because there's there's no understanding a villain like that. And there's no, like, being able to follow along and pick up. You constantly feel like you're on the back foot, but not because they're, like, smarter or more clever. It's just, like, bullshit plot reasons for why they continue to excel while you continue to fail. It's, it is, it is flabbergasting. So, yeah, it's such a fucking weird, doesn't make any sense... I don't know why I keep watching it yet. I'm going to keep watching it kind of show. If you haven't started it, I don't think I could recommend it. Like, it's just going to drive you insane. It's it's just going to frustrate you in that nothing really connects. And I have this air that, like, maybe I need to watch it, like, five or six more times. And then it'll make sense. And I'll have, like, those those parallels to draw those connections. But I really just think it's very sporadic and random. I think, I think that's what's going on here. Part of me fears that there may be a through line that connects everything, but I really do not believe that is the case. I think it's just fucking, like, story vomit on a page. So, I don't know. I, I just, I just do not know what is up with this show. It is so fucking weird. Let's move on to next thing in the podcast. Earlier today, if I can even talk straight, let's see if I can pull this up. Um, I was part of a charity raising, fundraising for charity. I'm nailing it. We did some charity stuff. Um, did it, raise money for Special Olympics um, in Washington State. I don't know the exact total off the top of my head, but it was a lot. Um, my team raised over $10,000. I think we were second in terms of like teams raising funds. Um, I forget what my total was. It was over $600. I don't know exactly how much, but I, essentially what, you know, we were raising money for that special Olympics charity and that's a wonderful cause and I will forever support that. Um, and the, the kind of the focal point to encourage donations centered around a polar plunge. Which some of you out there may be familiar with. If you're not familiar with it, well, I'm about to explain it to you. Essentially what a polar plunge is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It involves people jumping into very cold water. Exactly which body of water varies from location to location. This time around, it was Alki Beach in West Seattle. Which is uh, lovely. I I actually really like Alki. Um, It has a lot of those classic, like, 
beachfront property elements that I enjoy. A lot of restaurants, a lot of shops, a lot of unique houses. A lot of people walking dogs or riding bikes or just tr like walking the beach. Just it's nice. I wouldn't want to live there, um, but it's nice. And um, I had this whole big strategy planned out, right? I was like swimsuit, t-shirt, bathrobe. And I wore my, my scuba diving boots just in case you step on like a shell or something and slice your foot open. You don't, you, you don't do that because you're wearing shoes. And the plan was, you know, take off the bathrobe, take off the shirt, run in, splash, come back out, put the bathrobe on to keep me warm, right? And I get there um, at the beach like 20 minutes early. And I'm sitting there in the car wearing my bathrobe with my swimsuit and my, my shirt. And I had that momentary blip of like, I don't want people to see me in my bathrobe. So I... I didn't wear the bathrobe and I left it in the car. Um, and I ended up just kind of bringing it home and I, I washed it with everything else and I just put it back in the closet. Um, I never really actually, I never used my bathrobe for its intended purpose. I did use my bathrobe a fuck ton in college when you're in like that communal bath area um, where you share like your bathroom with like the entire floor and you take showers in like these areas. So I did use it for like all of my freshman year basically. Um... Because it was easier to just, like, have your underwear on, have your bathrobe and your stuff, go take a shower, come back, and then you get changed in your room. Like, it was just easier to do that. I still cannot believe I did that for a year, like, like comfortably. That still blows my mind. Sorry, not to go on a weird tangent, but, like, I know there were, like, basically twice a week, or not twice a week, once every two weeks. I'm flipping it. Jesus, I need to go to bed. Um, I would, like, do laundry, right? And I was so paranoid that people were going to take my clothes that whenever I did laundry, I sat down there in the laundry room with my machine on, well, actually, I think the washer locked. And so I, I was comfortable leaving that, but it was the dryer that didn't lock. And so I would stay there until it was dry. So yeah. And I can't, I can't believe I, I did that for a year. Like I have like no memories of it, but like, I no fucking year of school I did that like that's that's just how life was and I rolled with it it's just whatever I'm sure I could relive those those days if I went back to my old YouTube channel anyway I left the bathrobe in the car and I walked down to the beach and I started meeting some of the people on the team um and they were all very lovely I checked in got my bracelet and we were just all waiting for folks to show up and then we were all there and the the organizers of the event were like y'all ready it's go time and I'm like, fuck, all right. So we get over to this, like, uh, one of those um, tent things, but it's just the roof. You know what I mean? It's got, like, the metal poles that stick into the dirt, and it's got, like, a roof over it, and there were some tables, and we were able to put all of our stuff around there. And then began the, the shedding of clothing, which for me was just a t-shirt. Um, and, of course, I am rather pale. Um, I, I don't get a lot of sun, so I'm, I'm fairly reflective. My joke of the day was I make the clouds look tan. So it's, you know, it's, you know, there's that. Um, but I'm in pretty good physical shape, so I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm also remarkably hairless. Uh, if, if it isn't on my head and under my arms or in private areas, it doesn't exist in my body. So it's just, I've got a youthful facade. Anyway, you get to take the shirt off and everybody's everybody's getting ready and we're all getting like kind of psyched up um and then they like it was great that the 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 organizers did this they're like three two one go and we all just run into the water um and that's akin to when i went um 
it's always nice to have something like that to really kind of encourage you to take that plunge or to take the jump or to take the leap to have that like because then it's just instinct like you're not even thinking about it anymore and you just run in and i i was curious what the strategy was for this like is it just running in and like standing like waist deep and be like yep that's cold or what um me and the guy next to me did the run up to the waist until you can't run anymore and then you just dive and you go for it and i haven't like dove into water in a long time so doing like like that i i feel like i nailed it like some things you you don't forget and you fall forward you get your hands out in front of you you put your head down you put your ear like in in between your arms to try to keep the water out of it didn't work for me the water shot straight down my ear canals um i did manage to get it all out but it's still like kind of painful and you swoosh under and just dive and oh it was actually not that bad um you know adrenaline combined with the fact that the water was actually warmer than the ambient air temperature at the time by a good four degrees made it not that bad was it cold hell yes it was it was it was brisk but you can experience colder temperatures by putting your bath on like the coldest setting and filling it with that like that'll 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 be colder and I've, i'm not uh unfamiliar with the concept of ice baths or the execution and practice of ice baths um which is a great way to uh burn some calories if you're looking to to burn calories in a very lazy way um fill your bathtub about halfway take your ice tray out of your freezer dump that shit in there and then just sit in that water for 15 minutes and then get the fuck out just do that every now and then that'll fucking that'll get you going good um but yeah the the polar plunge was great the most difficult part of the polar plunge was a getting changed afterwards and b the remainder of the day because my mental faculties for the rest of this day have been fucking zero i've not been with it and i really need to go to bed i was tempted to go to bed after i got back at like two o'clock right and just like go to sleep um but i powered through to get to a reasonable bedtime because i knew if i slept then i wouldn't sleep tonight kind of like a plane ride um but getting changed sucked uh you know everything's covered in sand um but my favorite bit was like i put all my layers on top you know t-shirt other shirt sweater on top had that all squared away put on my socks put on my shoes was ready to go and i looked down and i realized i didn't put pants on and i was like fuck and my my, my buddy was there with me and he just started laughing and i was just like time to take these boots off and i put my pants on and I was actually able to get fully dressed with minimal sand in, like, my clothing. Um, so I was pretty proud of that. And then, obviously, all the sand is gone now because I've done two loads of laundry and folded it all and put it all away. And it was, um, it was awesome. It was, it was a top to bottom, just a, just an excellent experience. Um, successfully raising money for charity. Being with some, some really nice people. Doing a polar plunge. I have swam in, you know icy cold water before several times in my life um so that wasn't on well, that wasn't a new experience for me but it's it's always fun to do something like that <clears throat> and to be honest i don't do a lot of um like for lack of a better term dumb stuff like that anymore like tree climbing or um, or swimming in cold water or base jumping, you know, that kind of, or not base jumping, sorry, cliff diving. Um, I haven't done a lot of that stuff in a really long time. And so it's, it reminds me of when I was young and carefree, even though I'm still young and carefree, uh, to just 
go for it in, in, in situations like that. And it's it's nice. It was nice to relive those memories. Um, maybe I will climb a tree. I haven't climbed a tree in a really long time. That'd be really fun. You gotta find the right fucking tree, though. That's the secret. It's gotta be the right tree. It's just in my in my advanced age. It's it's you gotta think about the the second half of things. You know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna jump in ice water, that's fine. But you gotta have a plan for what you do when you do that. You know what I mean? Once you jump in the water, what happens next? That's that's for me is like one of the biggest differences between between being like a kid or a teenager, um, and being an adult. Is that you think about that next fucking step. As a kid, I never thought about that next step. I would climb the tree. I would climb the rocks. I would swim in the water. And I never stopped to think about the next step of that. But now as an adult, you know, when you're a kid, you usually have like some form of safety net. Like a parent or a friend or a lifeguard to get you out of trouble. And as an adult, by and large, like if I was to go drive off into the woods and just climb a fucking tree. If I fall or get hurt doing that fucking no one will know where I am or what I've done and so it's all on you to be your own safety net and so you have to be logical and be like play it safe you know climb a tree that you know you can get out of you can climb back down that kind of stuff so yeah I absolutely loved the entire polar plunge experience um and I also like being um more more universally thinking it's gonna say more charitable but that's not really the way i want to phrase it um long story short my my situation in terms of where i'm at in my life is really fucking good and i want to do more to help others because i'm in a position where i can and if spider-man has taught me anything it's that those with the power to help others should, you know. So I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that as much as I can. And this was a, a a wonderful thing to do to help those 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 plants. Anyway, I'm going to go brush my teeth and go to bed because I am in desperate need of sleep, and that is what that's what my body needs right now. So see you all in the next bit of the podcast. You know, it's always a fun thing to do in this world of constant new media is to go back and rewatch something that you've seen throughout your entire life. And for me, that thing is The Simpsons. Something that I've not really ever spoken about at length, um, despite the fact that The Simpsons was honest to God. Like, when I was younger, uh, we couldn't watch Spongebob for some reason. But Friends and The Simpsons were were the two shows that I can remember uh, watching as pretty much a whole family time and time again. And I started a rewatch of The Simpsons. I don't know how long this will be going on, but it's been about two weeks since I began my rewatch, I think. Um, and I am almost done with season six. I started with season three. So it's been almost three whole seasons of The Simpsons in less than two weeks. Um... It's shockingly easy to marathon. It have like a lot of the stories are familiar, absolutely, because I've seen them before. Um, but it is, it's, uh, it's you know, I've been I've been going back and forth on this for a while 
because on one hand, I don't like The Simpsons. Um, in that it doesn't matter. Like, none of nothing that happens... That correction. Very few things that happen in The Simpsons actually matter for the the overarching stories being told in The Simpsons. Very few things. Lisa being a vegetarian. Sideshow Bob. Like crap Mod Flanders death. Some things endure in episodes. And according to Wikipedia, the Simpsons do this floating timeline thing, since the air quotes. Where essentially, um, every season of The Simpsons is the year in which it comes out. So it's topical, right? It's got like that satire thing going on, especially later on. Um, in the early seasons of The Simpsons, it didn't do so much in terms of like pop culture satirization. Um, it did more of like family stories, like character-centric stories. And then later on, it's all like, look, here's Ricky Gervais. What's he doing? Whoa, it's wacky. Um, but I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still in those like early stories where it's like Bart's first crush or somebody smarter than Lisa or Homer's going to cheat on Marge or Homer's going to cheat on Marge or Marge is going to cheat on Homer or here's how Maggie got her name. Like that kind of shit. And a lot of those episodes are good, but it really does bother me that the show doesn't matter to itself. It's, it's a weird combination of, do the individual stories matter? By and large, no. But the character development that a lot of the side characters go through kind of, sort of, still does. It's, it's very choosy with what it determines, like, is consistent and what isn't. Um, and despite the lack of the passage of time, there are Christmas and birthday and Halloween episodes, like, all the fucking time. But they never get any older. And if there was one thing I could do to change The Simpsons, it would probably be that. Because if I knew, if I made The Simpsons, and I knew The Simpsons was going to last as long as it has, how cool would it have been if The Simpsons aged in real time with the audience? Like, over their 30 plus years of being on the air, like, we see, like, rises and falls of, of like, The Simpsons family, and characters die off, and younger characters become more important, and it's like this constant evolution. I thought that would have been amazing, but we didn't get that. Instead, we have this. And so, while I don't like The Simpsons because it doesn't matter, I can also appreciate The Simpsons because it's stable. You know, that's that's the benefit of doing a show like this. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter which episode, you can watch any episode of The Simpsons at any point, and you'll be fine. Because that's the whole point. It's evergreen. It's eternal. It, it's, it's, it doesn't change significantly, and so you can watch pretty much any episode um and so would i recommend it probably i mean it's you know it's the longest running animated show on tv and on western tv i should say um for a reason it's basically like watching american anime because the the lore developed like even though the show doesn't matter there's still a lot of fucking lore right there's still a lot of world building there's still a lot of character development and the side characters and like knowing all these different history moments um of these characters it, you can really sink your teeth into this shit i wouldn't be surprised if there was somebody out there who like majored in the simpsons like there's just so much content there that in order to truly absorb it all would be would be quite quite a lot um one thing i will say for my watching it on disney plus i don't know what they've done but I think they took the like the three by four 
footage, right, of the original Simpsons, and they zoomed in to make it, like, wider screened, and in doing so, they cut off a fairly decent portion of the top and the bottom of every frame in every episode until the aspect ratio changed naturally later on. Um, and most of the time you don't notice it, but a couple of episodes had jokes in those portions of the screen that you can't see anymore. Um, so it's, and the only reason I know that is because I had the DVDs when I was a child and I've seen these like basically seasons like five through season probably like 12 a lot in my life. Um, and to be honest, I'm really curious about like the modern Simpsons stuff. Shit that I like long, basically since I went to college, I haven't seen the Simpsons. So for a good eight years, there's like eight or nine seasons of the Simpsons that I've just never seen. And that's the stuff that I'm really curious about. Um, but I, I wanted to start at the beginning cause I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I really only ever want to do this once. Um, and so there you go. And I, and I say the beginning, I started with season three, seasons one and two, like the voices aren't quite right. And the animation is particularly terrible. Um, despite some of the iconic stories to occur back then. But for me, season three is like, is a good starting point for the Simpsons. I, I really appreciated season three. Um, it's such, it's such a weird show, especially because, especially in those early episodes, especially, um, you can make a really solid case for every character on this show being a bad person. That would not be a difficult thing to argue. Homer is unequivocally a terrible dad and a horrible husband and a shitty employee. Homer is just a bad individual. Like, and and sometimes he is just like straight up like malicious and mean. And other times it's just through his sheer incompetence that he fails. Um, there are there are strong negative traits throughout every character on the Simpsons. Um, and this every episode in the early days follows what I like to call the 80-20 uh, rule. Where 80% of the episode, a character is being shitty. And then the last 20% of the episode, they stop being shitty. And in a, a Ebenezer Scrooge-like uh, epiphany moment, they pull their heads out of their asses to be a better person. And it doesn't really feel earned most of the time. Sometimes, sure, you're like, yeah, all right, you, you, you got it. But most of the time, it's hackney. And it's just not great and at the same and at that same point it doesn't matter whatever their like epiphany moment was because their assholey nature is their default and think about it if the simpsons were like good people nobody would watch the show they they are tragically flawed like the simpsons there's a couple of like hard and fast truths that you can't change about the simpson family number one they have money troubles Number two, they're not nice or good to each other by and large. Because how are they going to improve throughout the course of the episode if they don't start as being bad people? So it's it's a really great show of like, here's how to not act. See all this funny shit that the Simpsons are doing? Don't do any of this. Just, this is all humanitarianly terrible. Everything they do is bad. Except for that last, like, five-minute chunk. 
where they fucking figure it out and become better people. But yeah, it's it is fascinating. Um, what I also uh, loved was um, so you can all picture the Simpsons house, right? It's like a three bedroom, two story, has a fireplace, a garage, massive backyard. Everybody's got a good idea of the Simpsons house, right? In 1997, Homer Simpson, according to one episode, made $40 a day. So let's just run some quick math on that. It's $200 a week. It's $10,000 a year. It's $10,000 a year. $40 a day is $5 an hour. Homer is a is a nuclear power plant technician who is making five dollars an hour in 1997 that doesn't sound right to me i'm just being honest five dollars he afforded that house on five dollars an hour i call shenanigans i call shenanigans um and one final gripe i understand that none of it matters in terms of like the overarching story and stuff like that but there are at least two different explanations for how Homer and Marge got married in the seasons I've just watched. In seasons three, four, five, and six, there were two different stories of how they got married. One was in like a roadside chapel, and it was on like this really big flashback episode, so that was really cute. And then the other one is done as a joke, but it was a completely different wedding. So, it's not consistent, really. Um, yeah. And finally, um, I wanted to pay tribute to one of the, the best voices on the show because I had no idea how this individual died and it's tragic as fuck. And that's Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman was the voice of Lionel Hutz, Troy McClure, and dozens of other characters. Just, he had this amazing voice. Um, he was also an incredibly funny dude. And he was... I think it was uh, his his wife uh, had a ongoing drug problem, and so one night uh, she shot and killed him before killing herself. And I had no idea that happened. This was in '98, um, but ever since then, the characters of Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure have been retired off the show. Much like when the uh, voice actor who played Edna Krabappel passed away um, fairly recently, Edna Krabappel was also retired from the show. Um, so to end this episode on kind of a down note, I want y'all to raise your glasses to the, the families of, of, of the, the Simpsons VAs who were fucking Phil Harmon. Cheers. Ugh. Yeah, that really bummed me out. Um. Anyway. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the world today. Quite a bit. Uh, and traditionally, I, I like to, uh, try to keep this podcast fairly upbeat. Um, and so talking about certain geopolitical interactions of an incredibly negative station would not really be fitting for this podcast. Um, I just want to recognize that it is a terrible situation. Um, and if you want to support those being impacted by this situation um do you, your uh due diligence to make sure that the money you're donating is going to 
uh, a cause that will actually be supportive. Um, and it's it sounds terrible, but in times like this, uh, there will crop up organizations uh, that will not necessarily be the most. Oh, how can I say it? Forthcoming, honest, accurate, good. I don't know. Um, but if you wanted to donate to one in particular, World Central Kitchen um, is an organization that is working to feed thousands of families uh, that are currently fleeing a certain country. So that would be a good one. And of course, Save the Children, um, who is also um, working towards protecting uh, the innocent lives being put at risk over in that part of the world. Please stay safe, continue to do all of those wonderful things, spread the word, and I will see you all next time where we will talk about who the hell knows. Have a good one, everyone.